Yo, 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 what is good, you guys? Today is Tuesday, December 15th, allegedly. Well, I think that's the date I just checked, but we are, this is the Alcast, of course. If you clicked on the uh, title page of the podcast, I'm sure you know that by now. This is season two, episode 15. Holy, where's the time go, you know? Second, uh, second last episode of the year. One more to go after this. Probably uh, next Monday or Tuesday, we'll be dropping another one, breaking down Canelo versus Smith, of course, and Triple G's fight that go down this coming weekend, as well as all the NFL action coming down this weekend as well. But today, as you may know, we've just got quite a bit happen over this weekend that we have to talk about, such as the heavyweight fight between Anthony Joshua and Kubrat Pulev. Huey Fury was on that undercard as well. Had an impressive win at heavyweight. Uh, the Albanian superstar Florian Marku had a good uh, controversial draw actually on that undercard as well. As well, we see some more uh, internet YouTuber boxing news come out in the last couple days. All kinds of goings on there recently. Uh, some Canadian boxing fight to talk about for my local boys. And... Uh, yeah, just basically everything in the past little while in the boxing world. And of course, the MMA world, we had that great, great sleeper of a card. Great main event, probably fight of the year contender between Davison Figueredo and Brandon Marino go down on the weekend. And the uh, some of the other great fights on that card as well, like Tony Ferguson, El Kakui, Kevin Holland with a, his fifth uh, win of the year. Very impressive. Impressive? Impressing? Jeez. Sorry, I need some more green tea. You know, I brewed up a little something because I knew I was kind of sleepy for the pod today, but... Oh, jeez. Sorry about that, lads. I got to pause, take the old green tea in. Yeah. Didn't want to brew a pot of coffee, you know. Caffeine will keep you up. I'll probably brew another one later, though. You know how it goes. Anyways... Kevin, uh, Cub Swanson on that undercard as well. Very impressive win. Seen some good slow-mo MMA lately. And uh, a big heavyweight fight on that card as well between Ciro Gain Dos Santos. As far as football action goes, we saw a great game last night between my Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns. Fourth quarter comeback victory for my boys. Let's go. Justin Tucker, 50-yard field goal, easy work to win the game. But we'll get into that. And, of course, we have some other news about the top wide receivers in the NFL. Uh, Some news about former dynasties maybe coming to an end. Some big margins in the games on the weekend. Teams getting blown up by 20 points. Uh, We're really seeing the uh, cream rise to the top, I think, at this time of year. And the Washington football team keeps going on a keep going on a run right now. They're trying to win that division, you know. I've been impressed by them lately. In other news, of course, the NBA season started off. And there's some other news about good fights from the past that I'll recommend you guys. And of course we've got the clip of the week that we'll get at the end of the show. So let's run it all back though. Start with the world of boxing. Like I mentioned at the top, 
Anthony Joshua, Kubrat Pulev, Anthony Joshua, very impressive uh, later round TKO, I believe in the 7th or 8th round after he knocked down Kubrat Pulev four times, finished him off stepping into a right straight, but the uppercut was his most effective weapon during the course of the fight, and just a, a dominant fight from the champ, uh, looked great, everyone obviously hyping up the potential Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury fight going down in 2021, which would be the most anticipated heavyweight fight of all time, or close to. I know that's a big, bold statement, <laughs> but man, I'm so stoked for that fight. Anthony Joshua versus Tyson Fury needs to happen. What more is there to say? It just needs to happen. It needs to go down for everybody to settle all these internet debates, to settle all these... Uh, barbershop and barroom debates of who can reign as the pound for pound heavyweight goat um unified heavyweight champion and like it's been a long time since all the heavyweight belts have been unified and then to have it all go down with two british fighters with two uh guys coming off impressive performances now in their last couple of fights well obviously Tyson Fury getting a uh, a draw and a win in his... Or no, because he fought guys after Wilder. He fought um, Schwartz and... Um, yeah, he's actually coming off a few wins in a row now then because he's fought Wallen and then... No, Schwartz, then Wallen, then Wilder. And before the Schwartz fight, he had his draw with Wilder, I believe. I don't know if I'm missing someone in there, but... Tyson Fury's got at least three wins in a row and then a draw. <sighs> Excuse me. <laughs> and then, um, bum, bum, bum. AJ's obviously got his fight that he just had on the weekend with Pulev. Big dominant victory. Bashed him up with the uppercut. Knocked him cold with the right hand. Uh, somewhat easier competition than Tyson Fury, you could say as well. Because before that, he had the uh, Ruiz Jr. Second fight, the rematch, after the, the loss that he had. He avenged it, looked good, came in with a good strategy, outboxed him, stayed at range. But Ruiz Jr. is no joke. Like, some people kind of overlook him because the physique and all that. But it was a, it was just, like, I've, I heard a good quote recently. It's like, some opponents you can't destroy. Some you just got to beat. And the style like that where AJ, usually when he goes in the finish, he starts signing a, kind of starts swinging a bit wild and infighting and throwing a lot of hooks and uppercuts. And I think Ruiz was just a little bit better at the inside fighting, especially in the first fight. And that's where he caught him slipping and knocked him out. But anyways, AJ Fury, man, I'm sure I'm not alone as I've seen thousands, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of people on social media calling for that fight as well. So I know everyone's looking forward to it. And then there was a controversial draw on the undercard. Uh, Florian Marku is coming in, facing a last-minute opponent as his first opponent, I believe, tested positive for COVID about a day or two before the fight. He got a draw, controversially. Uh, many people saying Marku won the fight. The commentators stating boldly on DAZN that is just basically a blatant robbery. But mm, I don't know. I get... I think they'll just have to run it back at some point or maybe we'll just see both fighters move on from there if they don't because I think 
Marku is pretty adamant that he won the fight, but he had an impressive performance, throwing a lot of heavy shots, trying for the finish, but just ended up kind of back and forth as both guys had, uh, I'd say, similar defensive abilities. Marku a little better offensively, though. And then on else on the undercard, we saw Huey Fury uh, use a good defensive style and long range to defeat Walk. The majority decision, even though he had a big cut over his eye and was bleeding into his eye for half of the fight, probably had impaired vision. Um, we heard a good uh, little rant from Matthew Macklin on coaching the other day on their podcast about the Dubois fight, saying that it should never have gone down to Daniel Dubois to take a knee in that fight. And his coaching should have stopped in the corner before that happened because of the uh, body language Dubois was showing in the corner so he could keep his pride. And yeah, I agree with that, man. It's like Wilder's corner threw in the towel in the, the Tyson Fury fights. Sometimes it's up to the coaches to know when to say when before their boxer has to you know, swallow their pride a bit and take a knee in a fight like Dubois did because of the pain in his eye. Obviously having multiple fractures in his face and around his orbital by Joe Joyce, who's got a hell of a jab. And yeah, you'd like to see that. Other boxing news. Obviously next weekend we won't go into it too much. We'll just do the post-fight next week about it. The results, but pound for pound, champ, super middleweight, Canelo Alvarez is going against Callum Smith, super middleweight champion over in the UK, who's undefeated. Big wins against George Groves and some other top competition over there. Should be a good fight, good uh, stylistic matchup. Canelo, good inside fighter, slipping and sliding. He's basically, he's got a full repertoire. He's been in the game a long time. 53 wins or something crazy like that, most by knockout. And Callum Smith, you know, is huge for a super middleweight. He's 6'3". He's got, I think they said, almost 7 inches of height on Canelo and 8 inches of reach or something crazy like that. So obviously, I think he'll be looking to keep Canelo on the outside maybe and use his range and distance, but he has shown ability to infight as well. We've seen Jake Paul go back and forth with Conor McGregor now calling out for a fight yesterday posting multiple videos on social media and clues as to where he wants to go and how he wants to get that next boxing fight with him. Obviously, his brother Logan getting the fight with Conor, or not Conor McGregor, because Logan's fighting Conor McGregor, but they're both fighting former opponents of each other because Logan is fighting Floyd Money Mayweather. Crazy, crazy world we live in. <laughs> Especially when guys like my boy Ryan Roziki can't get a big fight like that. I saw him calling for Jake Paul on social media as well. All you should go follow him, I suggest, because he's an undefeated Canadian cruiserweight champ. And uh, he's got a great old school style, knocking everyone out cold. He's just, he's an old school guy, carries power in both hands. He's got a killer instinct. And uh, he's just a savage, bro. Like, he doesn't care. Like, you can hit him. You can cut him. You can hit his body. You can <laughs> you just crack off on him, and he'll just bite down on the mouthpiece and come forward and knock you dead, man. Like, he wants all the smoke. I think in the next couple of years, he's going to be a uh, 
a potential upset guy. Like he's going to be coming in as an underdog in some fights and catch the wrong guy slipping because Ryan Roziki is no joke. I'm saying it now. You got to watch out for him. Peter Fury, I called on uh, out on Twitter the other day. I've been trying to spend a little less time on the old social media. As it's it's not a nice place in 2020. Sometimes it just bums me out. But anywho, you got to use it for marketing and that for the pod. But you do what you do. I called for Peter Fury to be coach of the year. As I've seen, uh, obviously he had a successful uh, fight in the corner of Huey Fury and Savannah Marshall. And I just noticed in videos and his corner advice is really solid. And he just seems to be like uh, one of those coaches that really brings out the best in a fighter and is calm and composed when he does corner work for people, which I think is the best thing. And just says, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what you're like not doing. Uh, look out for this, and then gets you like gets you the water, gets you everything you need, and it's a, it's an underrated quality in a corner because you see some corners absolutely lose their composure if the fight's not going their way. So shout out Peter Fury, boxing coach of the year. He's got my vote. And we saw Lawrence Acoli get his a big second round knockout at cruiserweight. I know he's probably lining up a fight with Makabu for the undisputed cruiserweight title as Makabu's fighting this coming weekend. And then, of course, I think I skimmed it over a bit last weekend, but I can't remember if we talked about it or not, but we saw Billy Joe Saunders get his win over Martin Murray two weekends ago. Just dominant victory, kind of everyone expected it. And uh, it's good to see Martin Murray get a good shot at the title at the end of his career, but he was basically just... A heavy bag for Saunders, who's younger, faster, more powerful, and just more technical as well. So he had him beat across the board, and Martin Murray took a bit of a beating in that one, but he made it the distance anyways. So, you know, credit Martin Murray for that. And Billy Joe Saunders, of course, looks to move on and get a big fight at super middleweight next year against potential opponents he's talked about in the past obviously he was supposed to fight Canelo and that never happened because of COVID and uh Triple G as well as opponents that he's named that he'd be interested in Triple G of course boxing this coming weekend as well against Polish middleweight Oscar Cesar Meta I don't know if I pronounced that right but he's und- he's a undefeated Polish fighter 21 and 0 with five knockouts that should be a good fight. Obviously, uh, he hasn't faced any top competition, though, with those wins. And Triple G being in with some of the biggest names of the sport already. Shown a granite chin in the past. And just devastating power as well. And a good killer instinct. So look for him to finish Serzameta in the first three or four rounds. I believe Golovkin should get the job done. As uh, I think this fight's been brought up to kind of set up a big fight for next year for Triple G at middleweight. Maybe against Billy Joe Saunders. That'd be a good fight. Interesting uh, stylistic matchup anyways. Who about covers it for all the football news this week? Let's get into the MMA, shall we? In the worlds of the UFC, Ultimate Fighting Championship, fastest growing sport in the world. I was just thinking that a little while back, I said when they got the ESPN deal to myself, knew how huge of a deal that was for the exposure it would get them, that the UFC would be 
the biggest sport in the world, bigger than football, bigger than baseball, bigger than soccer in the next five to ten years. Not strictly due to that deal with ESPN, but just the trajectory up to that point and then getting there. And then it just seems to be growing so exponentially at this point and so many more people nowadays that it's unbelievable from once I started following the sport and how niche it was uh, probably 13 years ago, 14 years ago, basically. So when I started paying attention to the UFC, not like saying like, oh, I'm like an MMA old head, but it is what it is, man. <laughs> I've been following it for a hot minute. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's nuts how big it's gotten. And then just the numbers that have come out recently, it's like their best year to date audience wise, numbers wise. So they just keep getting better and bigger. And yeah, I think it was last year or almost two years ago now that they got the ESPN deal. I'm not exactly sure. I think last year that I said they'd be the biggest sport in the next five to 10 years. And I still, I still say that. The UFC, man, credit to them. They, man, they've been putting out some good sports content during the lockdown when no one else was. They were like the, the first people to get things going back in the right direction sports-wise. So you got to give a big tip of the hat to Dana White for that. Obviously, them dropping the trailer for Poirier McGregor, which I was thinking of playing on the podcast, but it is like two and a half minutes long. I might break off part of it or something because the last little bit is pretty good. It got me pretty hyped for that fight between Poirier and McGregor next year. I believe um, the second half of January. Uh, early prediction. I'll break it down more closer to the fight because that'll be season three. But yeah, I see McGregor getting a win there as well. Oliveira we saw this weekend. Obviously not main event, but getting a dominant decision win over Tony Ferguson, even though it looked like he was going to snap his arm in an armbar at some points, but doing well on the feet against Tony as well, but just obviously getting him to the ground multiple times and dominating him position-wise, just showing uh, top-tier Brazilian jiu-jitsu in action. Obviously, we see why he has the record for submissions because Charles Oliveira just looked like a bad man in that fight, setting him up for a potential title shot in the new year. Charles Oliveira getting a win over Ferguson. Uh, sad to see for El Kukui as he's kind of the people's champ and, you know, done a lot for the company over the next little while, but I don't know where he goes from here. Some people I heard today talking about a run at welterweight for Tony Ferguson maybe would be interesting, some fun fights from up there, but his time in the lightweight division could be coming to an end. And then in the main event, we saw Davis and Figueredo and Brain Marina go to war, coming to a majority draw after Figueredo picked up a point deduction for a groin strike. But many people calling it fight of the year, uh, seeing many assets of the MMA game in that fight, good striking, good brawling, good wrestling, good uh, submission attempts. We just got to see a, a facet, uh, like every facet of MMA in that fight. And the flyweight's pace is just astounding. And the, the way they scramble from positions to striking to grappling to clinching, it's, it was just, it was nuts. Like, if you haven't seen that fight or just caught the highlights of the fight, please, please, please go onto YouTube and punch in Figueredo versus Moreno. And I'm sure someone will have come up with a nice little compilation for you. Absolute barn burner. Definitely 
Um, I have to watch it back and some other fights back, but it might be my fight of the year right now, I can tell you. Um, uh, every Another fight on that card, we saw Kevin Holland get uh, an interesting little knockout over Jacare Souza. In the second round, He in a transition kind of grapple scenario on the ground, he kind of kneeled himself up and swung his leg up and landed a, a looping hook from the bottom on the side of Jacare's head and then followed it up with two or three more after he stunned him and just knocked him cold alongside the, the cage and really a vicious knockout the way he was slumped back and Holland just going to town, landing straight rights again and again, playing his head like a bongo. I think he was knocked out after the second or third shot initially in that little um, back and forth. But Kevin Holland is no joke at middleweight, man. He's definitely earned himself a, a big fight potentially to get into a title fight. So look for that to happen next year because I believe he said that he even though he wanted to take one more fight to end out the year that the UFC isn't granting his request. But big shout-out Kevin Holland. Very impressive. Very, very impressive. Made a name for himself all in one year. And uh, where does Jack Ray go from here? That's, that's an interesting question as well because obviously he's a vet of the game, been around for a long time. But I'm thinking he might be one of these fighters getting cut in the next little while. The UFC announced 60 cuts to happen by the end of the year. And, yeah, Jacare's getting up there. He's been taking some rough L's like that. And I don't know how much his contract's demanding as he's been around for so long, but he could potentially get cut. Swanson got an early uh, stoppage in his fight after many people were saying his opponent was the favorite and Swanson was washed. Very emotional after the fight, so shout out Cub Swanson. Been following him since the WEC days. Fortunately, the first fight I saw of his was him getting knocked out by Jose Aldo with a double flying knee. Look that up. It, it's not good for Cub Swanson, especially how he's been performing for such a long time, but Jose Aldo just destroyed him early in the fight. Kevin Holland also called it Chamayev after the fight. Um, lots of slow-mo clips of that going up on uh, the slow-mo MMA channel, so you should check those out. Cyril Gain got a big heavyweight decision win over Junior Dos Santos. Bum, bum, bum. And shout out Mackenzie Dern's Instagram. Check that out as well, because she picked up a win as well. <laughs> big shout out Mackenzie Dern. Mackenzie Dern. In football action. Of course, we held on to the record the pod until today because we had that Ravens-Browns game last night. Big win for my Ravens, 47-45 over the Cleveland Browns. End of the game, Justin Tucker hitting a 50-yard field goal, leaving the clock with two seconds left for the Browns after we secured the lead. And, of course, squeaking away with the win after a great back-and-forth game. Many people calling game of the year between the Ravens and the Browns. And... It was impressive in some ways. It's hard because uh, our offensive line kind of, we've seen some some problems there still. Our defensive line wasn't doing a really great job of pressuring uh, Baker to giving them too much time to get off some passes. I know I sound critical because we got away with the win, but 
still with a game where someone puts that much points up against you, you can find your flaws. Obviously, some impressive things as well, like Lamar's running ability. We really we saw, like, it, we already kind of knew about that if you're a Ravens fan, but he hasn't showcased it as much this season as his breakout season, but it was nice to see him break off a couple nice running touchdowns, getting some good, interesting pass plays in there, as well as the ability to come up clutch in the fourth quarter to lead a drive downfield to get ahead, which... um might have been a critique that some people had about Lamar and the Ravens offense being kind of stagnant, especially while playing from behind. So it was nice to see us be able to have that grit to get a nice little comeback victory, even though we didn't have to come back from very much. It was kind of a back and forth game in some ways, and you kind of knew from the jump that it was going to be a high scoring game. But shout out the Cleveland Browns as well, because I think they might have beat any other team that night the way they were playing. We just we just edged them by a little bit, but they looked really good, and it's uh it's been a while since I could say that about Cleveland. So, shout out Cleveland Browns. I like you better than the Steelers, and I like you much better than the Titans. So um yeah, <laughs> big big shout out Cleveland Browns. Big thumbs down and um boot in the back to the Tennessee Titans and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Y'all can. You know, just go away, you know? I don't like y'all. <laughs> In other football news, I say A.J. Brown's a top five NFL wide receiver now for the Tennessee Titans from the work he's put in this season. I say the Pats dynasty is over and done with, with Cam Newton not being able to get off any passes, their wide receiver core being in shambles, offensive line's not great. Defense is letting some suspect teams, to say the least, put up some points against them. I mean, Bill Belichick's maybe doing all he can with the pieces he got, but they look done, and I'd say that it could take them potentially up to five years to rebuild, which means that long-running playoff run slash domination of teams by the New England Patriots, I believe, is over and done with as it'll take them up to five years to rebuild. Just my opinion. I'm not even a Patriots hater, to be honest. I know a lot of people hate them more than I do. I could care less. I mean, they beat us in the playoffs a couple times, but I'm just I'm just saying what I see, man. I'm just saying what I see. Maybe we'll see how you draft next year. I might take my opinion back, but you never really do that much in free agency because they don't like paying for players. They're okay at drafting, obviously. They've gotten some good people over the years doing that. But, yeah, we'll see how they draft. But, yeah, what could you say about that roster, man? Like, I don't think they're making the playoffs this year and definitely not making the playoffs <laughs> this year. And, uh, yeah, they got a lot of work to do to get back and make their team look dominant, I think. Like I mentioned earlier, big uh, point spreads on the weekend as well. Titans beating the Jags 31-10. to Bears beating the Texans 36-7. to Cardinals beating the Giants 26-7. to And the Cowboys beating the Bengals 30-7. to Sheesh. And that wasn't all. There was some big point spreads over the weekend, man. So if you were betting on football and you were betting some favorites, as long as you picked the right ones, you were safe because... Yeah, they weren't uh they weren't missing any big big numbers or little numbers on point spread, especially I should have been betting last weekend, I guess, but hey, what can you do? 
NBA season starting off. Uh, I haven't really followed that much. I just thought I should mention it. I know I got to look at the starting lineup at least as the of the Toronto Raptors because I like to follow the home team a little bit and just pay attention to who's playing for them and how they're doing a little bit. I'm obviously not the biggest basketball fan compared to football and fighting, but I do enjoy it. I like playing it more than I like watching it. We've seen the English Premier League going strong, which I've been paying a little bit of attention to actually this season. I'm not even into soccer, but I've been listening to a podcast called The Kickoff, which I recommend. You pick up a lot about soccer, listening to that. Very entertaining, really funny. Some English guys who care a lot about soccer. Obviously run by uh, True Jordy and Lawrence from the True Jordy YouTube channel. Shout out those guys, big fan. And some throwback fights I wanted to send your guys' way as well between Josh Thompson and Gilbert Melendez. Uh, that was an old strike force war. I believe they had two fights. It just kind of reminded me of that Brandon Marino, Davison Figueredo brawl. And uh, it's a fight I think you guys should check out on Fight Pass or YouTube or something. And another brawl, if you're into those, look at the Korean Zombie versus Leonard Garcia 1 from WEC. That was a great fight as well. And uh, a real back and forth barn burn of a brawl. Maybe you saw a bit more technique in the Moreno and uh, Figueredo fight. But, yeah, those are some good wars for you guys to check out. And we're going to boot up the clip of the week for you. It's entitled, The uh, The Hardest Man in Liverpool. It's one I found on YouTube the other day. And it's, uh, again, from our friends over in the UK. It's uh, It's pretty funny, I think. <laughs> well... It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely interesting. I'm punching it up here. Boom, boom, boom. Hardest man in Liverpool. So I got to get my tech guy to have faster thumbs, you know. He's a, he's a little th slow on the thumb game. <clears throat> Loading up here. Oh, here we go. Turn her up for the boys. Hardest man in Liverpool. Get on that. Just come home. I looked on my bed. Car window screen days. That right. Didn't look on the other side for apparently he's a window cleaner, but obviously I didn't see that, so I've just seen that. So I won't. I went to number three straight away. She didn't even know about it. I haven't even come in. I just picked her up out of the window screen. Knocked on his fucking door, he comes to the fucking window, I said, come here. He said, is there a problem out the window? I said, come here, I want to speak to you. So he comes to the door, I said, what the fuck is this? I'm just about to smash him all over his fucking hallway, skinny little six foot fucking rat. And he comes out with him, a window cleaner, mate, and all that, and give them to everyone else. So he is a window cleaner, he backs that up. Hey man, him then, mate, let me tell you. There was about to rip him in half. Rip him in half. Give it to anyone. Batman. Smash the faces to bits. Take their eyes out. Bite their ears off. The nose, mate. Yeah. All that. All that. Holy, eh? <laughs> what can you say about that man? He's going for the for the eyes, the ears, the nose. Smash you to bits. 
Uh, he was just triggered about a little note someone left on the the window of his car saying that park he parked bad or something like that. He probably did, you know. He looked like he was off that Charlie, you know. You gotta watch out for guys like that. They're a little squirrely out there. And I got I got a uh, I got a clip to show y'all as well from the game that happened as well. Let's listen into some audio from that Ravens Brown game just because it makes me happy. Lamar stunting on them yet again. Yet again. Oh god. Sorry lads, we got mad. Skip that shit. back after missing the last two games by injury and on the COVID-19 reserve list. Jackson takes off. So much green in front of him for the Lamar Jackson touchdown. There is a penalty marker down. It's going to be a touchdown. They're going to get to the Brown secondary with a hold. He's going to make you pay. Watch this. This is Carl Joseph. He's going to follow the tight end and that's going to leave a huge lane for Lamar Jackson. This is a pass. He's looking downfield, doesn't see it. But when you play man-to-man against an athlete like Lamar and you don't have your lanes. Ooh, light work, 17-yard run from my boy Lamar. Let's just take a look at how my Ravens finished the year at the end of this show, actually. We got a few games left. I'm curious. I am very curious, actually, of what games we have left now after that game. 47-42 over them Browns. Ooh. You know they're waking up salty in Cleveland today. Sorry, AFC North, baby. That's how she goes. Um, We have the Jaguars this coming weekend. I'd say that's a dub when we beat them by 10 points at least. Gardner Minshew ain't got nothing against our defense. He's going to be under pressure. You best believe that. And then after that, we have the Giants on the 27th. Good little post-Christmas game. Should beat them as well, even though the Giants have been turning it up lately. It does worry me as a bit of a sleeper game in some ways, but if you look at talent-wise on the rosters, you got to believe that the Ravens are turning it up in clutch time against them in that game. And then our final game of the year is against the Cincinnati Bengals, our final AFC North matchup against one of the worst teams in the league. <laughs> I believe they gave up like five to eight sacks against us in the first game we played, and that was when they still had Joe Burrow and he wasn't done for the season. So it doesn't worry me as well. So look at three more wins to end the season for my Ravens. You can bet on that if you like betting on things because that seems like a lock to me, those three games, and by pretty good margins as well as the opposition isn't the greatest. So very excited for that, as we can potentially end the year, bump, 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 with an 11-5 and five record, potentially, if we get away with those wins and squeak into the playoffs in a tight AFC division, as we see lots of teams with good records. Obviously, Titans 9-4, Colts 9-4, Ravens 8-5, Browns 9-4, Steelers 11-2. Picking up a couple L's, which I like. Um, 
The Chiefs 12 and 1, the Raiders are 7 and 6, and the Bills are 10 and 3, and the Dolphins are 8 and 5. So it's going to be a tight race to get into the playoffs, even in a wild card slot in the AFC. I believe we'll have to have those 11 wins, maybe get away with 10 wins to slip in, but you don't count for those kind of things, you know? We gotta be competitive and we gotta win out to end the year. That's what I say. So, as always, to wrap up the show, I say you gotta stay positive out there, guys. I know it's been a hard year for everybody. Of course, 2020. It's one to uh, forget, ain't it? In it? Yeah. But you gotta keep your head up and bite down on the gum shield like your Anthony Joshua getting that win. You know, you gotta keep him on the outside like your Huey Fury. And use that defense and slip and slide when life throws its punches at you. <clears throat> you gotta secure the bag and go out there and do what you gotta do, like your Billy Joe Saunders next year looking for that big fight, you know? Eyes on the prize. You gotta come back when everyone's counting you out, like your Cub Swanson doing the damn thing and still getting KO wins. After being in the game for years and years and years and years. Going up against everybody, Cub Swanson. Big shout-outs, Cub Swanson. You gotta knock out the defending champs and the old vets of the game. Because everyone's counting you out sometimes. Like your Cyril Gain getting the win over Dos Santos. And you gotta stunt on them and do the damn thing. Like you're the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson and Hollywood Brown and all those guys over there on the defense and the offensive line. All the boys. And you got to win out, man. Don't plan three, five years down the road. Plan out the next 24 hours and take it seriously and dominate. Because, you know, sometimes you can look too far ahead and lose what's sight and right in front of your eyes, you know. And, uh... You know, sometimes you got to just take it a day at a time and focus on the focus on the wins ahead of you that are right ahead of you, right in front of you. And that's what you got to do, I think, man. Shout out all the listeners, you guys. Love y'all. Appreciate y'all. And as always, thanks for listening. Peace out. This has been The Outcast. <laughs>